What's up, what's up, Yang Gang? Oh, what's up, fam? Uh, you know, just thinking about <laughs> thinking about Andrew Yang. Nice. Just thinking about. Uh, um, I'm gonna start a blog about the Supreme Court. Uh, called Shadow Docket, but confusingly, it'll only be about really good food courts at malls. Yo, that, <laughs> Yo. that that would be sick. It would also. It'd be cool if like the the ban the banner photo was some dude like wearing a bunch of Supreme hanging out in a food court. Oh. Hype beast. All right. Hey yo, we're recording, and it's good. <clears throat> yeah. Oh man, that is wonderful. Like golden morning light that you got out there. It's a beautiful yeah. day in the neighborhood thank you for for tearing me away from my uh from my u2 impulses with that um i i was thinking about how i definitely had a a nightmare uh the other day that we had done this that we had done this very double header pod but i had dropped both the zoom links and forgotten to record both of them and we had effectively wasted like an hour of our fucking lives. And it's like the most relieved I've ever been to wake, wake up from a dream in a long time. So nice. um, thank you guys for, th- thank me. Thanks me for not, uh, for not forgetting that. <laughs> thanks you for not, not forgetting that. Thank you. And, uh, thanks you for, for thinking that they're cool. Um, yeah. Uh, let's get right the fuck into this shit house of an episode. Um, welcome, w- welcome everybody to the Sea Lab Pod, um, also known as Check Under the Sea. Um, I am Jim, your host. I'm Jamberry, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm the Edge. All right, the Edge, part of the uh, part of you two, the untalented two, uh, as they call it. Um, they call them the untalented too because famously Bono and Edge did all the instruments and fucking Larry Clayton and whoever else didn't do shit. So uh, uh, Michael Michael Clayton from the the Law Thriller, uh, yeah, uh, twenty twenty fourteen. From uh, yeah, that that was a shout out to Tim Heidecker for that joke. Though that joke's not original. You should go watch the Tim Heidecker stand up special. Um, if you haven't, because it's the best. Is that the one with uh, the coconut? Yes, it's very good. <laughs> it's very, very good. Um, today we're talking about uh, season three, uh, episode thirteen, the Neptunati. 
uh, aired July 25th, 2004. Uh, Stormy's meddlesome inquisitiveness uncovers Shank's membership in a world-controlling society uh, and endangers a large container of pus. Let's go. Um, I'm just going to read my, my, my bullets and then, yeah. and then I'm good, I think. And then, and then I get to punch my card and when I, I get to go home for the day. Um, yeah. Okay, it's a secret ceremony. I don't care if you're Catholic. That was funny. Uh, I said, oh my God, the five Jew bankers, because I totally forgot what this episode was about. Um, yep. Miniature John Wilkes Booth talks about Salisbury steak, just like Timmy from Dearly Beloved Seed. But that was pretty funny. Uh, brings back that Sparks is just a lazy guy. He's not actually crippled. Um, that's the most pus I've ever seen. And you've been to Europe. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, the zombie cat falls down, and that eye on Shanks's clothing or whatever just starts blinking and looking at it. Um, stupid blue buffalo. Uh, don't quantify the pus. It just is. That made me laugh. Um, and like hash crawling through stuff, and then uh, Flegel from I think the banana splits <laughs> runs him over. Um, that that made me that made me laugh, even though the the joke was obviously and self referentially just exhausted. Um, I, I wrote down here. I think it's cool that the Murph mobile for Tenedo Shanks has that trident head. I don't think it's actually that cool. I don't know why I wrote that. Um, the Kraken fight. If you didn't see that, you should kill yourself. Um, yeah, okay, hilarious. I don't know why Quinn has to say it. Oh wait, because we don't do we don't adhere to personalities on this show anymore. There's a Dragon Ball Z ish anime reference. Okay, uh, Punchy Onion name was kind of funny. Um, with the uh, Neptunani destroying C Lab. It's been like what ten episodes since we destroyed C Lab, and then like yeah. the Death Star of David uh, destroys. <laughs> That's what I call it. Destroys the uh, Neptune airship, uh, and it really is five Jewish dudes. But they're all like in their their thirties. Like they're they they're, they yeah they're not addressed. Uh, and then they're like, I'm gonna f him in the face. That made me uncomfortable. That's it. That's Neptune. Yeah, a solid, um, a solid C for me. I think I probably liked it more than you guys, but I'm still kind of over it. I think I got a. I think it passed for me with a with a D plus. I found myself yelling D plus uh, in the style of Tommy Boy several times. Um, a lot of a lot of similar notes. I think it's it's pretty. I think it's actually pretty good writing that like the secret society that Shanks is in is like very campy. I think it's entirely appropriate for for like a Shanks world. Um, yeah. Nobody care. Nobody cares if you're Catholic is a great line. Um, <laughs> the uh the exploding mac and cheese heads very funny uh really yeah. really really leaning in on the crypto fascism here i feel like this that was actually probably is kind of forward thinking of the show to use the crypto fascism premise because i feel like this was right around the time um when every um every fucking tool listening loser stoner in the lower 48 was like discovering conspiracy theories and so everybody had these really cartoonish uh and trumped up ideas of like what secret societies were because this is like, like when everybody was starting to watch shit like zeitgeist and like you know developing these i i just i heard so much claptrap during my college years 
from people who had like done their research and discovered all this crypto fascist fucking nonsense. And I think this is this is like a hilarious send up of that sort of ahead of its time, I would say. Um, that being I mean, said, like proto- protocols of the elders of Zion wasn't that i mean that's that's not even a crypto fascist it's like a, that's like a straight nazi conspiracy theory that was yeah. peddled across that entire country for like 20 years yep Sorry. absolutely no yeah and then just like and which that that being said like um it, it, this obviously this i don't think that the that the jewish uh stuff the Jew, jewish related humor uh held up then to be to be honest, I think it was probably edgy then. Certainly wouldn't hold up now when we like, you know, are having this novel or, or this redux of anti-Semitism um, that we've been having. I, don't know. I mean, I mean, we yeah, just, that was that was my. I was gonna say that was my point as well. Just doesn't really hold up. Like it yeah. probably didn't hold hold up then either. And I think we're just tuned into it differently as well. Um, and yeah i was i was just like it's really the whole fucking joke for the episode god like that that it just fucking sucked for that reason definitely it's definitely cringy and i mean we just lived through four years of uh what accusing uh president who had a number of uh jewish people in his family as being anti-semitic so like like our our society is like incredibly tuned into to things to the point of unreality so um and you mean you mean our society as in like the the like the joker the joker fan subreddit right like our society no no yeah yeah i'm talking about hey hey kid we live in a society yeah uh this really says a lot about our society uh cool. this says a lot about society man um the infinity trident i think is fucking hilarious in hindsight because of like we've now seen how just bloated and hackneyed and shitty that super superhero movie franchises have gotten so like the, yes. The, yes. The, the use of that trope is is extra funny now um it was probably funny, I, I, funny I back that, then yeah. i just like i think it's impossible to as just like a little sidebar here i think it's impossible to take anything about superhero movies seriously now when i when i um when I just regularly, um, like, whenever my friends and I are together goofing, like, it's literally, like, one of the first videos we always watch on YouTube is literally just a video of, of Thanos dancing to Fireflies by Owl City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, which I should probably, I should probably drop that in the chat because it's good. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Scorsese was completely right about oh, yeah. the MCU, and he said that you know basically this is not cinema because there's nothing at stake. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's fucking true. Uh, same with C Lab. Uh, also, nothing at stake because they can just blow up at the end of every episode. Are you talking I about think, Salisbury steak? Yeah, nothing. Salisbury steak, aka nothing at stake. Uh, it's steak to eat when there's nothing at stake um when there's a lot of steak then you got a ribeye on your hands but i have this horrible 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 habit of uh whenever people are saying there's a lot at stake i think they're saying there's a lot of steak so um, except when they're talking about minute steak yeah then it's just minute just a 
God like damn it. Uh, like minute, a minute bowl of steak. Yeah, I like to go to Chipotle and get a minute bowl of steak. Um, do you remember? You guys remember the era? They were all over the place, but this is what we want to do because this episode sucks. Uh, do you guys remember the era when Chipotle was spelled bowl, B O L, like fucking minute bowl's name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> no, but that's amazing. I it was it was like legitimately for like the first eight years of Chipotle, they spelled it that way. I think it was like maybe that. I think it was maybe like 2013 or 2014 they changed it. Um, it's really funny. It's the worst. I think it's funny to 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 like. I, I don't know. I, I was. <laughs> I, think I think it's very funny to think about like 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 a, a, a menu item having the thing that it is served in in the name like <laughs> just get a fucking bowl <laughs> like yeah it's 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 extra it's even funnier um at panda express uh our sponsor today when you when you go there and get a when you go there and get some sugar chicken uh it <laughs> you you order a plate or a bigger plate, but uh, it doesn't actually come on a plate in like basically any context. Like you, you get it in a clamshell, but they can't say a clamshell because it's unappetizing. Right. I, I wouldn't get a recyclable tr- styrofoam tray of yeah. fucking sugar chicken, please. Um, Panda, Panda Express. Is that, is that chicken- common in other culture, by the way? I mean, y- y'all would know better than me. Does anybody else say like, Here's a fuck. Have a fucking plate of uh, fucking you know fries or whatever frites. Yeah, and, and have I mean, a, have in, a plate in, of cheese plate. In German, in German, it certainly is. I in fact, I think that uh, the German speaking world is even is even uh, chummier with it than we are because they they will call things breads. Like I have a oh yeah, here's some butter bread. Um, here's some ham bread. Uh, here's some ham toast. And so, like, they're very, very vehicle-driven in terms of food. Um, go get yourself a Panda Express sugar chicken bigger plate uh, with honey mustard dipping sauce today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I like Sparks' callback to the magical goodies creator when he calls the thing a magical super crippler. Um, I, I like how just in, in relating to what we've been we, what we were talking about the last ep- two episodes ago with um, with uh, the sudden character development of Shanks. I like it how like somehow in this episode everybody is dumber than Shanks. Again, the inconsistent writing, right? Like them just being able oh, yeah. to literally burn the entire set of premises down and do whatever they want each episode, like. Um, yeah, and I just like like the 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 big takeaway here is that like there's three bits in the episode, right? The secret society, the um, the like crypto fascist conspiracy stuff, and then the beaker of pus for whatever reason. And like, I just think that like the beaker of pus is the least funny thing that they've done in the show. I think it's the funniest thing in this episode, though. I, I, I think it's I like the funniest it. thing in this episode. I don't know, but I'm like, I think that like, you like that, it, the, huh? that the gore, that like the the gore uh, stuff, I think was executed way better in Aquatine. 
I think that they're just like this. This is like not. I, I hate yeah. that they're trying that they're trying to like make fetch happen uh, in terms of like shoving gross, gory stuff, like really like physically grotesque humor into the show because I don't think it fits. Yeah, um, I think Aquatine is the place for that, and like we're gonna see it thrive in Aquatine, but and I like it in context. But I'm like I don't. I know that that shit like that is like a humor trump card for people. Um, I just like I don't have like a I don't have any kind of response to it. It always just falls flat for me. It's one of the reasons I can't like really watch horror movies either because they do nothing for me. It's a whole tangent. It's a personal problem I have. But I, I think I I liked the joke that there's some sort of like ontologically interesting interesting thing about the about the uh, about the pus. Like yeah, it's not. Don't quantify it. It just is, or whatever the fuck yeah. the joke is. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, I wanted to call out your uh, your nice uh, uh, kayfabe catch there, where uh, you know we're definitely not sitting back to back and recording two episodes uh, that definitely are not. not contiguous. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh, there's not no way podcasters never do that, dude. Podcasting is real. It's still real to me, damn it. Podcasting is real. <laughs> Podcasting is still real to me, damn it. Uh, did you guys read that thing in the Atlantic about how the internet isn't real anymore? It's just bots, which I think is probably true and horrifying. I was yeah, talking. Yeah, he's tweaking. Yeah, he's tweaking. Nah, he's tweaking. Yeah, I was actually I was actually talking at trivia last night with that uh, about that with with my buddy Brad, um, who's like an instructional designer so he's obviously interested in these kinds of things um yeah it's fucking weird but i think that probably cool i like it when the atlantic writes about stuff like that when it whenever they try to do ideology it's cringe but um yeah i think the atlantic is is my favorite because they uh they they think that they're doing a good job of of, of covering all the different sides by having like tom nichols john mccorder and like ibrahim candy as like contributors which cracks me up yeah their overton window i think i have bigger windows in my fucking car than what their overton window is yeah but like Thank it's you. better than it's a good joke it's better than Thank any you. any completely fucking like i don't know like like I, i'd rather read the atlantic than the new york times magazine oh, or whatever yes uh, absolutely it's it's way sure. it's way better it's way better than that but still not you know not great it still makes other people mad who i like to see mad so i can't i can't harp on them too much but i keep getting the atlantic confused with favorite house atlantic <laughs> fuck <laughs> uh Man, the uh, Sorry, sorry, I'm going to hell. Um, Got Guy Fieri's new gonna... restaurant, Flavor House Atlantic, uh, is our next yeah. sponsor, of course. Yeah, yeah, Guy Guy Fieri and Claudia Sanchez, um, long lost uh, brothers separated at birth, if you can believe it, are uh, have teamed up to start a new um, new restaurant in downtown Brooklyn, uh, right next door to the, the Barclays Center. It's called the Flavor House Atlantic. Uh, you can you can go watch the uh, you can go watch the Brooklyn Nets play um, and uh, eat the eat the shit that the that the basketball industrial complex is shoving in your fucking mouth and then go next door and shove some real shit in your mouth. Um, 
every meal is coheed album themed uh i i really like the uh the the good apollo bowl uh, so go get yourself <laughs> one today um 15 15.99 um flavor so good it'll make you grow a goatee on the spot thank you wow Love that it. was uh, that you was all great. sickened me i just want to say that y'all sickened me y'all where do you learn to talk like that shut up hattiesburg uh, what are you doing hattiesburg what else we got I, I i got uh i want to spit some stuff about these dvd extras what else do we got do on this fine episode okay all right, so well, I was gonna say, do we want to talk about? Well, no, yeah, I guess you're. I guess you kind of talked about this already, but it's it's interesting that like the Illuminati just pop up as fucking explanations for things every once in a while, like uh, Beyonce's success or whatever. Like, I, I, I guess my question is, like, is, wh- wh- why do why do folks want to believe that there is some like group of folks running the world rather than just being just accepting that we're we're just living in a a fucking like complex reaction uh of of things that you know like like why why prefer that i don't know there's i I think that i think there's a really easy answer for that um though i distrust easy answers i think that like for me, this is pretty well thought out that like people people prefer known unknowns to unknown unknowns, right? Like there's way more comfort in knowing knowing the unknown or even trying to like put the entire thing on put an entire fence of knowing around the thing, right? Like I think that that's one of the things that conspiracy theories do and conspiracy minded people seek to do is wrangle chaos into some sort of knowable quantity. When in reality, the things happen, things happen in complex environments that are usually just driven by convenience and are usually just driven by bad equilibria. <laughs> if you want to talk game theory about it, like that's, that's my, my impulse reaction to that. Yeah, I think it's just lack of imagination. I think it's much easier to be like, yes, there's like this, um, like, yeah, conspiracy or something that's like yeah or maybe reality is just like super complicated um but i think we see this in like low level stuff too where um like if you're ever in trouble at work or something like you always think like your boss is just keeps thinking about you and you're just like you're you're in for it or whatever your boss is not thinking about you your boss is thinking about how like he or she has like bad digestion and like a bunch of other stuff and it's like and when he has to deal with you because you you mess something up it's like he's got a middle model or something where he's like oh okay i gotta here's like the appropriate level of like admonishment or something you know whatever it is um so i I think a little bit's also like this kind of hubris that like this reality is so important that there has to be like a cabal of people trying to control it i mean that's not to say that i I don't think there's like there's obviously i mean we live extremely complex society like almost eight billion people there's there's obviously groups of folks that are, that are trying to influence things without being completely um, obvious about it. But I think the level of like effect that they have is probably not, not to the degree where people should be overly concerned. Um, if you, if you doubt that, I mean, read all the conventional wisdom from 20 years ago, everything from like trade to, you know, end of history to whatever. And it's like, 
Like we, had, we, we probably don't know what the hell we're doing half the time. And that's, I think, partly what makes reality so much fun. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I like that. It reminds me of like something like a, a Rordian thing where he, he talks about sort of uh, metaphysical or system builder philosophers as kind of like the, like the true, like sort of paranoid, uh, like, like fucking exemplars because they like look at everything and find some sort of meaning and like interpret every event as like, you know, like being some sort of, um, you know, fucking, symptom of the overall system that is that is controlling you know the the course of history or, or whatever um and yeah like i i uh james like like you're saying about like your boss probably isn't thinking about you like i think that 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 same sort of thing applies to like yeah the, the like reality probably isn't isn't thinking about your metaphysical system uh, <laughs> either you know yeah yeah so, i think I think also, um, man, I had something there, but oh, um, I think it's probably things are probably a lot worse now because on one hand we have an overproduction of elites. Um, I it, it's probably new. Uh, it's probably an Atlantic article. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, uh, so people had to feel kind of self-important um, and that they're kind of figuring this out or something. And you know, we we probably not consumed as much media as we do now. Um, and most of our media is this like mediocre Marvel Cinematic Universe type stuff where there's clear antagonists and protagonists and everybody wants to see themselves as a protagonist and they, they're figuring reality out. But I mean, most media is not like that at all, like before maybe 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah, like there's like there's you know, the, the classics and stuff. And there's always like antagonists and protagonists to some degree in most media. But like War and Peace, for instance, it's 2000 pages and like. I suppose the antagonist is like Napoleon, but you know we don't really see much of him. And mo most of the characters are, are both antagonists and protagonists to each other for the longest book ever written. Um, I think that's probably much more like not just life in, in Russia, but probably life in general. Love that. Yeah, love that line. Um, it's good. Any other thoughts before I very quickly run through the DVD stuff that no one's ever going to see again? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, yeah, so if folks aren't aren't aware, there's there's a handful of extras on the season three disc. For the earlier discs or the earlier seasons, we try to like work this in a little bit more. I'm supposed to shoehorn in here at the end. Um, to I think we've we've covered most of the DVD extras. I think there's a few things that we'll probably have to cover as we go through season four. But um, season three is interesting because it has uh, uh, dearly dearly beloved, uh, which we covered on the dearly beloved seed uh, episode, which is uh, or pod, which is a fully formed like half episode difference of uh, the final version of dearly beloved seed. There's also Quinness and the Gert pilot from 95. Uh, so Quinness is basically uh, Christmas Carol with Quinn, uh, who's drinking a lot. Uh, the episode itself is not fully animated, uh, but they did do a lot of original kind of drawings and, and some level of animation for it, which is interesting. And basically it's um, the ghost of uh, uh, Blackout's past, present, and future um, coming and uh, hanging out with, uh, with Quinn um kid from uh 
twin fins is in it, tin fins is in it. Uh, turns out he's a robot um, because Quinn got super drunk and got him killed by accident. Um, the first ghost is like a guy with a bed sheet with holes in it. He meets his ex-fiance. Dr. Quinn is dressed up in uh, some early 90s stuff, which is amazing. And we'll put that on the Twitter. Uh, second ghost is like this large green bear monster thing. Um, the ghost of Blackout's present. Um, and he's the one that shows that kid is actually just a machine um, put together by a white version of Dr. Virgil. Uh, Hesh in this half episode or not fully formed episode, it's not voiced by MC Chris. He eventually gets killed by driving drunk earlier in the night by uh, by Quinn. Um, and then the blackout still to come is some skeleton thing in a suit, uh, who reveals that his ex fiance got transformed into a really scary spider robot that's killing babies. Which I, I can't believe I'm that's a sentence that just left my mouth. Uh, <laughs> This episode it's, sounds it's way actually, better. It's a, it's a really good episode. It's it's uh, it's really good. Um, and it actually fits with like Quinn has like an occasional drinking issue. Uh, uh, anyway, the end of the episode gets really derailed with like some god from Mexican folklore and Egyptian pharaoh princess lady zombies and, and other stuff come in and they have like this giant drinking party that derails um, the uh, ghost of Blackout's presence attempts to get him to stop drinking. Uh, and eventually, those two detectives from the policy show back up and they're actually voiced by their, their voice actors and they arrest Quinn for killing Hesh. Um, and then Quinn says, I'm going to pickle zooms out to robot kid eating a Quinn pickle in a kitchen and says, um, uh, he, he talks about how it's not good to be drinking that much. And on the, on the refrigerator in this room is the original Quinn stealing stuff from uh that's not not using the final version of dare d but it's in the uh, alternative version or the table read from the season two dvd uh which is also something we, we tweeted about earlier so um so like really, call forward to uh pickle rick from rick and morty of course right yeah it's definitely pickle rick uh call for but yeah re really interesting uh, episodes it's a shame almost no one's gonna be able to watch it now i i don't know if it's on on youtube or anything um and then the um so that's that's quinn missed um yeah i'm really seeing it on uh on youtube my algorithm's all messed up now so the girt pilot um <laughs> is named that because it's so it's the original pilot all the way back from 95 when oh, the sure. creators were working on uh May mayhem mayhem with carrot top and some other stuff um it's called the girt pilot because the narrator says his name is girt um, the plot is extremely strange. Basically, sharks are swarming around Sea Lab. Um, there's a number of voices that are kind of the same. So Dolphin Boy and the Orphans are pretty much voiced the same. Um, they get a shark expert named Nigel, and he looks very similar to Master Wu, which is a surprise to me um, that there's a large element of Master Wu's um, face that is actually derived from an original Sea Lab 2020 character. Some of the uh, characters are renamed. So Stormy is called Apollo. Quinn is Dutch with a um, really awful Dutch voice, um, similar to what we see in the real show later on. And Debbie is named Maria, um, who the sharks are obsessed with and, and keep singing to her. Uh, Murphy has a really weird voice. Um, he's obsessed with his gas and possible heart palpitations instead of a group of sharks swimming around Sea Lab. So that part's kind of the same. Uh, crew wants a, a regular just like a fence. West Side Story joke, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. But the the crew erects a large fence. They taunt the sharks to get them to leave. That doesn't work. Um, 
at some point it's a very disjointed episode um a seal comes and talks to the orphans with Virge's voice which is very strange um they decide to dump a bunch of dolphins who are singing about dolphins going for a rumble that doesn't work either uh marco who's also a main character um threatens to give nigel summer teeth if the potion for the sharks doesn't work summer here summer there (laughs) made me laugh a lot uh Nigel dumps the potion, is almost uh, is saved by the orphan who, uh, in a deal, is like, okay, I'm going to save you, but you're going to be my dad. Nigel then betrays the orphan, of course, after they get back to the sea lab. Um, and then the love potion attracts squids um, who the sharks eat, and then they like run away or something. And that's the episode. The cards before the episode are like, yeah, if you're going to watch this episode, you're going to see why we were not greenlit for this pilot. Uh, the, the pilot eventually greenlit the show. Uh, was in part that original pilot that we covered in one of the pod episodes in, in season one, uh, along with a handful of other episodes that were all kind of commissioned at, at the same time. I believe the first three episodes were actually commissioned back in 2000. Um, those did well enough for them to commission the rest of season one. But this was showed to multiple people in 95 and the late 90s and didn't go particularly well. Um, last thing for season three extras, um, so they had a doll or puppet or something called Kitty Fun Fun from AM Mayhem with Caratop. And they did some C-Lab promos with what they call the Housingly Challenge Residents of Atlanta. Oof. Uh, Oof. And apparently, I don't remember this, but some of the the promos for C-Lab in like real world, like 0304 had some of this stuff. Uh, but the, on the DVD, you can see all of them, even the ones they didn't air and uh, there's nothing really right to home about, right home about, and it's, it's all right. And then, like we what we talked about in the um, the the one of the other episodes, um, the Crabtastic Voyage one, there is a Stormy Waters um, uh, pundit, which uh, covers like a bunch of stuff from like the mid 2000s political scene. So he talks about like red staters or just people that are afraid. Uh, Democrats need to get back to their working class um, roots. Um, you know, uh, America's uh, hegemonic uh, posture is, is something that we should be really considering um, and, and acting uh, in, in, you know, in particular ways. Uh, there's a part about freedom and security, which is with him dressed up as George Washington, Marco Sparks and Shanks reenacting the crossing of the Delaware. Um, there's a part about civil liberty. Um, That's awesome. And, and weighing that against threat of terrorism. And he's sitting where FD, he sits in for FDR at the POSSUM conference with Stalin and Churchill. Uh, and, and I think what I said back at the other episode, Cryptastic Voyage, when I briefly touched on this, a lot of these views are kind of like what I'd say is like center, center left views, which were pretty prevalent in like 020304, where, where people, there's, a, there's definitely a segment of people. And I think we grew up with a lot of them. You guys were probably then more than I was about like, well, we should, should really kind of wrestle with what these, how the world has changed we should really um, think through some of this stuff um and um you know maybe think a little bit harder before we we bomb a bunch of people or react on the react in a certain way and, and kind of an advantage point from 2021 it, it's almost quaint how like there's some kind of like high level discussion about this monologue about this stuff but like lincoln park in the end it didn't really matter um i, I think a lot of the a lot of these kind of policy things or political things wound up just being runaway trains. Um, yeah. Less than like an Illuminati type conspiracy. I think there's a lot of um, 
things were just set in a certain course on like September 12th and we never kind of looked back um, or even earlier than that, like trying to enter in the WTO and having a lot of second and third order effects on, on how we view stuff like immigration and uh, manual labor. And that had a lot of impact on how our political parties and red state, blue state politics kind of works. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's all the extras in the uh, season three DVD. So if you can get it from eBay or whatever, probably worth a, worth a look. Is it possible? Thanks thanks for that. Is it possible for, for you to bring that with you (laughs) so we can watch some of it when we get together Thursday? Yeah, yeah, I can bring it Thursday. Cool. So, if we have time to do that, that'd be cool. Cool way to spend time together. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, yeah, um, yeah, because those episodes sound great. <laughs> they yeah, sound great. Quim- yeah. Quimis was be- much better than a lot of the episodes. They wound up green lighting uh, yeah. in the Shane era. Yeah, it, it sounds awesome. I, I would love to watch Quimis. Yeah, yeah. We can we can like do some sort of bonus content around around those maybe so. We'll talk about it. Sure. Well, um, well, thanks, thanks for joining us. We we somehow made made lemonade out of this uh, relatively sour lemon of an episode, um, as we will continue to do in the Shanks era. Um, we're One here season to serve left. you. Rob's One okay, season right? left. One season left, motherfuckers. Uh, we're almost home. Um, yeah. One Dang season it, left until crazy. we become an Aqua Team Pod. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> Well, um, thanks. Thanks again, everybody. We love you. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you soon. Peace. Peace. All right, guys.